Thank you, Nate, for, uh, for sharing. I've, uh, we've really enjoyed uh, your series here. And uh, if you get, to get a chance to talk to Nate, then make sure you express your appreciation for all the hard work he puts in. It takes a lot of work uh, to prepare for one evening, let alone uh, several evenings. So thank you, Nate, for your work with that. And also, I think, uh, shout out to the Bible, study, or the Bible School Committee, those of you who planned it. Uh, well done. There's a lot of work on your end, too. Uh, as I was thinking about uh, the, my experiences I've had uh, in Kenya and Australia, I was uh, a surprise again at how, how different they were and how different they are. Uh, not only in my stage of life I was in, uh, but the mission itself, how the mission was founded and how it ran, things like that. But there's still some lessons I think we can pull from it, uh, some things I saw, uh, some things I experienced, and uh, these are things that I experienced, this is my experience. Uh, this is lessons that I learned, maybe, and I hope they're lessons that we can all learn. Although this isn't scripture, so this isn't like the word of God coming upon you, but I hope we can uh, all learn from the lessons as well. I was, uh, it was 2009, I was 14 years old, I was in eighth grade. Uh, and, uh, you know, when you're in eighth grade, you kind of have life together. You think you do. Um, everything was going well. I mean, I still think I have life together, don't get me wrong, uh, sometimes anyway. Uh, I had life together. Uh, Dad sat down and, and told us that we had gotten the call to go to Kenya. Race Tussman called us. I remember Dad sitting us down and telling us about this. And uh, my first reaction was, was, why would we go to Kenya? Why would we go to Africa? I mean, that's one of the weirdest things you could do. I was getting ready to graduate uh, grade school, you know, thinking about high school, youth group. Um, why would I go to Kenya? I mean, Africa. I mean, what's, what's in Africa? Um, but then later, as, as time went on and as we kind of felt the call to go more and more, uh, it became more of a, oh, we're going to Africa. And, like, I was proud to tell my friends because in my mind, going to Africa meant we were really good people and very spiritual, and we did have it all together. It was confirming my we had it all together theory. And so I was proud to tell my friends that we were going to, to Africa. And I, that's, that's a view that I, I don't know if that's our culture or just human nature, that mission, uh, missionaries have it all together. They're spiritual giants. And uh, Nate alluded to this a little bit with the, with the apostles, the disciples. They were ordinary men, and they went and helped Jesus. And they were ordinary men as well. So three things I want to touch on specifically. Um, lessons I learned. Number one is community is crucial and I'll talk about how missionaries make mistakes and then the third one is experience is everything and I'll touch on those three things specifically. So we moved to Kenya and uh, community there was something that I, I don't think I'll ever forget. Uh, the compound setting, the situation, the family life. By the way, how many of you have, have been to Kenya? Oh wow, more than I expected. Very good. The compound, everybody's in a compound. We're all living together. And uh, one of my favorite memories was, was Thursday evening prayer meeting. We would have uh, singing. We'd have prayer meeting. And uh, it's just a very good time of, of encouraging each other, singing together, praying together. And I remember that being the highlight of my week. And uh, kind of that family, we would get together and uh, interact and I know some people view that kind of, that style of mission uh, a bit uh, kind of interesting, I guess. 
uh, the fact that everybody lives together and then on Sunday we would all go out uh, to our respective churches and this quote save the world and some people have have interesting views we had an interesting discussion Sunday evening uh, at Glenn Miller's place about uh, about missions and this kind of what they call swarm model or colonization model versus uh, like an indigenous where one or two families would go and I'll maybe allude to that later as well but in your in your what do you think are some benefits of community? When you think of community, uh, what are some, some benefits that, that come to your mind when you think about community? Lack of burnout. Lack of burnout. Accountability. Accountability, that's a big one, very big. The source of encouragement. Source of encouragement, absolutely. Learning from each other, very good. Building relationships. relationships. Do you like building relationships? Relationships are hard, aren't they? Maybe I'm going to talk about this later. That there's drama with drama with relationships, but uh, building relationships is very important, very vital. Those are all the things I had. Pretty much everything I had: accountability. one I had that was resources. We have we have connections. We have resources. We have uh, people within our circles that can help us. Specifically, uh, the older generation. We think of parents and grandparents, uh, things like that that can benefit that we can benefit from. Going into service alone or into the foreign field alone is can be very intimidating, and uh, and I'm not sure why why our circles, our Anabaptist circles. Would uh, would probably tend to gravitate towards the swarm model. Uh, when we have a have a church outreach or things, we often send a number of families. And uh, in our discussion, we had Sunday night, and we should have just had that as a panel discussion. I think that would have been interesting. Uh, Glenn Miller and Ivan Glick and myself, we were we were talking about this. And um, if if we move a community from here to another area. Is that considered an outreach? Because if we have enough people there, everybody's needs are met within the outreach in the new community. It's considered the swarm model. Versus the indigenous way where one or two families would go and start a church with the local people within that community and they would start a church with those people specifically rather than from their home congregation. Now, in Kenya we had the swarm model, the colonization model, if you will, and in Australia we had the other version and uh, the indigenous way seems to make sense, seems practical, but my experience uh, has, I think, taught me different from that. But uh, I'll talk about that when I get to the Australia bit. But God created us for relationships, like Alvin said. Relationships, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. Uh, he said, be fruitful, multiply, all these things. Uh, we're designed. We're social creatures. We're we're designed for friendships, relationships. So being alone, even in a new community, is very can be very intimidating. I listened to a uh, podcast by Regan Schrock. Uh, he has a YouTube channel called uh, Anabaptist Perspectives. Uh, he's interviewing uh, a man named Ernest Eby, who is attempting the indigenous community model, if you will. And it's a very interesting. Uh, check it out if you get some get a chance sometime. I think often we feel like we have a lot to offer, and we do have a lot to offer, but we feel like if we would just if we just move everything 
to another area, um, people are going to see us and be like, oh, I want to join that. And people come, and uh, we think that just by spreading out and, and starting another area, people are going to want to join our church and bring their friends with them. And in Kenya, there were, there were those people specifically, I and mean, there were people, and uh, don't get me wrong, I really appreciate how our church does outreach. I, I don't have a problem with that, how Trogger, how the, uh, the one up in Connecticut, uh, other ones like that, I don't have a problem with that, but like, these, are, these are questions that I've struggled with since, uh, since my time. Because we did get we did get some people. I remember some people talking about the whole Kenya thing. That well, you're all together in one compound. You're not living with the native people. Uh, how can you really minister to the people if you're not living among them? Fast forward a couple years uh, to our time in Australia. My wife and I got married in uh, in April of 2016. And five months later, we were invited to go to uh, Australia to cook with her parents. So my wife and I and her parents went, uh, this was in September. And uh, that was our connection there. Very exciting time. Uh, we were young married. Uh, very good trip. We did a lot of traveling that time as well. But through that, we, uh, we got to know Jason's, and then they, they invited us to come back to uh, the, next, the next year in January to help out, to help start the cafe there. And that was our experience in Australia. So we were married eight months, and uh, we moved to Australia. And that was a very intimidating, very scary time, as, as well as a very um, life-changing. We were, like I said, we were only married eight months. But uh, I think I fully understood the whole uh, leave your father and mother uh, thing and go live on your own. My wife had, had moved from Ohio, so she moved in here. She had done that, but I hadn't really done that. And uh, there's something that, when you do that, you don't have your parents to lean on, you don't have your mother around, uh, makes you grow up, makes you realize you don't have it all together all the time. And, uh, but those are some of the best months of our marriage. That time of, of it was just us, there, there wasn't a whole church community, uh, it was basically us, Jason's were the only American family there at the time. And uh, we really enjoyed that time together because we, instead of, uh, having a whole bunch of friends we we had each other and that that helped uh, bond us and our marriage especially at the the beginning of it as well the uh the mission in australia was was started by by uh, jason kaufman's went over originally how many of you would know are familiar with jason kaufman's have met know who they are they um they went over from montezuma and they were asked to go over and they the goal was to start an australian church so that they would go start the church and eventually have, have the people in the area come and, and build the church. There was a board from Lot, Texas uh, that helped start it. It was very fundamental in starting it. But then that disbanded after six years. That was the original plan. So that the church would be an, an Australian Anabaptist church. And uh, that was, what, 14, 15, 16 years ago, I think. And it worked well. There, was, there were people who joined the church eventually. Um, however, when we got there, uh, it was us and Jason's and about another family or two. And since we have returned, the other families have left, and Jason's, there is no longer an Anabaptist church there. Jason's are currently uh, going to uh, community churches, such as I think there's a Wesleyan church they do and a Lutheran church as well. And this is an example of the whole indigenous model where we send one family to the to the foreign field 
And uh, it seems like it should work, but this circumstance um, has struggled. And, and he has come, Jason has come back and he has met with, with the BMA, with Alan Roth and the BMA people, and are thinking of maybe kind of redoing it, trying something again, uh, trying to make it happen again. But a lot of the people that were in the church had come from uh, what we know as English and came to the church, but have gone progressively more conservative, uh, specifically nationwide. And I think one family even went to the Amish, uh, started a, their own Amish colony in southern Australia. I think they're the only family in the colony, too. So, I don't, like I said, these are all questions I have. I think it would be fun to have a discussion with people about this, like the whole mission outreach thing like that. But... Um, questions I have and through my experiences with these two these two circumstances another thing uh, in in Australia was was they they didn't they didn't uh, they didn't push brotherhood agreements we we, we pushed principles and uh, we got there and we felt like we had a lot of freedom because these were only principles we didn't have a whole whole book of uh, brotherhood agreements and uh, we really liked this and uh, but through the course of time, uh, Jason's uh, started putting more brotherhood agreements in place. Uh, there's something when you have, there's something to be said about agreeing to things together. And uh, most people have interpret things, especially application of something differently. So we had people worshiping, uh, coming to church that had different views of application, specifically on on dress, on head covering, and even lifestyle. It's very difficult to worship with a bunch of people that have such different opinions on things like that. And uh, that is somewhat what caused the breakup of the church, I think. And um, so we do appreciate brotherhood agreements. Uh, I think you can go too far with it, but uh, there's something to be said about that, bringing community together. That brings people together. And uh, Ryan shared a quote on Sunday night. Uh, some of you might remember, uh, remember it. Uh, he said that about shared practices, he said, submitting to shared practices that we do not understand is difficult, but it is a good way to counteract the carnal desire for independence. The humility that comes with agreeing to submit to another person's decision or point of view is transformative. And, and that's, there's something powerful when we can, when we can submit and to hear what other people and agree with what other people's perspective and Nate mentioned it as well with even entering into somebody's prayer when somebody's praying is very hard for us because that's very much against I think our human nature and and what we our independence that is very natural to all of us specifically so in my opinion um, brotherhood agreements is not necessarily the structure uh, it's not necessarily the structure of the point but the relationships and relationships come and form through those brotherhood agreements and things like that. One thing I did like about Australia was there were few of us there. And uh, so we were a few of us, quote, missionaries, if you will. So we had to get involved with people in the community. We didn't have, we didn't have all the other missionaries in the compound. Uh, so we got involved with the people in the community. And this was very helpful, especially with the, with the cafe that we were starting uh, we got to know a lot of people, a lot of connections, and uh, like the guy who owned the newspaper store down the street, and uh, specifically a lady named uh, Mary. 
uh, Sarah and I joined the uh, community choir uh, there. It was very interesting, very challenging, <laughs> stretching, because uh, Mary was uh, a single lady who was 83 years old, and uh, she was leading this community choir. And uh, ironically, the community choir, they were all about her age, too. So uh, they they really liked having Sarah, Sarah and I there, because we were, we were just, I think the next person above us was like, I don't know, 40s or 50s or something like that. We were pretty young. And... Uh, they, she, Mary got me to sing uh, a solo on one of the songs because my voice was one of the few voices that cracked <laughs> most of the time. So, but Mary was from a uh, from one of the community churches. I'm not sure. I can't remember if it was a Wesleyan church or a Lutheran church, but a very sweet lady, and uh, we got to know her well. And we really like those relationships you form in in the community when you don't have your own people around you that you're your own friend group. You have to go out and start your own group, things like that. And uh, there's another, another gentleman that uh, came to the cafe, and uh, he would come frequently, multiple times a week. And uh, you soon learn what they, what they like to drink, what they like to eat. And uh, I knew he wasn't a believer, and, but sometimes in the middle of rush hour, you know, you don't have the opportunity. But, like, we were forming a relationship. And uh, since we've come home, uh, saw the newspaper article that, about this this man, um, he had driven his car to the national park. That they found his car in national park, but he, he they haven't found him anywhere. Um, and I think this was two three years ago. And I think to this day he's still missing. Nobody really knows what happened. I tried to look it up. I saw the article on on the Gimpy the Gimpy the Gimpy website, but they haven't found him. And you know, here we were, we had this opportunity to, to interact with them, and I don't know what, what we did, but people loved coming into the shop because there was something different about it. Some people even mentioned that they liked the music. We had, like, instrumental hymn-style music playing, and a lot of people said they just liked the feel of it. It just feels different. And uh, I don't know where Tim is now, and I don't know if I'll ever see him again, but... Those relationships are very, very important, and whether we have a community within our own circles or community around us, its relationships are very important. Uh, whatever we do, and this is this is why short-term uh, missions, as we call them, uh, are not necessarily the best, uh, even if it's a year or two, because it's very challenging to form relationships that fast. Uh, we live in a day and age where we get everything instant. We have. Uh, we have our instant coffee, we have instant uh, internet, we have texts, communication, social media, everything's instant and we're used to having everything come right away. So if uh, we're on our phones and something doesn't come through, oh, it bothers us like crazy. And I'm, I'm old enough to remember the days of dial-up and that's not even very long ago. And I remember you had to dial up your computer and that took a while. And some of you, you go way back, I'm not even that old, but we're used to having everything instant, but two things that will aren't. There's two things specifically that will never be instant. And what do you think they are? Relationships. Relationships, absolutely. Anybody know what the other one is? The other one's job satisfaction. Job satisfaction will never be instant because the longer you work on a project. The longer you prepare for something, the more fulfilling it is. 
there's so many people <laughs> that that have jobs and they 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 don't especially my generation they don't feel fulfilled but then you ask them how long they've been there and they've only been there like a couple months but that's like with everything instant we don't know how to work for things and we don't uh, and relationships specifically will never be instant and this is why short-term things I think are very challenging because we don't get to know people like like we should and we were in Australia only for 10 months but um, yeah the relationships were were a struggle to make to, to bind that because it does take time uh, we moved into the to Lancaster City and uh, Claire Kaufman uh, told me he said I had told him we were kind of thinking about maybe moving in and then maybe you know fixing the house and selling moving somewhere else and he said make sure you live there for three years he said you will not understand the community until after three years he said after they live there for three years that's when they really start enjoying their time we're at a year and a half but I don't know what will happen with that so community, whether it's large or small, whether it's here or there, uh, I believe is very important, is very vital. Relationships are very important. Second thing I want to touch on is missionaries make mistakes. And this is something we all know. This is something we experience. Everybody's human. Um, but as I mentioned when I was younger, when you're called to the mission field, that means you have it all together, which means you're a good person. And especially if you go to the mission field, the experience makes you a better person, or so I thought. But we know the missionaries struggle with life, too, specifically the events uh, that have occurred within the last couple months. It is a very challenging um, for people in the foreign field specifically. And in Kenya, we had other people there. Anytime you have people, you have drama, right? Kenya, we had drama, other missionaries. You're, other missionaries, you're not supposed to have drama with other missionaries. You're, you're supposed to be good people. We shouldn't have drama in our church, right? Because we're all, we're all good people, but we're all human too. And that's, that's, that's the joy of, of humans. We're all different, but no matter where people are, there's, wherever people are, there's gonna be drama. In Australia, we had drama as well. And drama, it's, um, yeah, interpret that as you like, but don't take it too far. And I think sometimes often, often people that go into foreign fields are the ones who are trying to escape something here at home. It's, it's very easy to do that. I remember thinking when we moved to Australia that we're going to let all the issues and all the drama behind us, um, we're going to leave, you know, and go start over and everything's going to be good. And it was for, you know, a little bit. That's about it. But then, then reality sets in and then, then, then the fireworks happened, of course. But this is why we need to pray for our leaders, pray for people who are involved with, with mission work, uh, local and foreign, because it's very challenging to, uh, it's very easy to make mistakes because we're all human. And uh, this is why community is important too. The, uh, what, the illustration I thought about, the only thing that, that I could think of was uh, being, going in a mission field does not make you a better person the same way that being, getting married does not make you a great spouse. I know in my own marriage it takes, I realize that it does take effort, takes work. The more time and energy and effort you put into it, the more rewarding and fulfilling it is. The same is with relationships and people around us. The more we put into it, uh, the more we'll get out of it and the more fulfilling it is. Obedience brings aches and moments of panic. Whether you're moving to another country, starting a new Bible study, or fostering a child, people who choose to obey in spite of these difficulties whether they're at home or on the other side of the world, they're not superheroes, they're simply followers of Christ. 
Whether you're here or there, we're called to follow Christ. We're called to be missionaries wherever we are. Missionaries make mistakes, and that's why we need community. Uh, it's very important. We need that accountability. We need that support that comes from relationships around us. Third thing I have experience is everything. And by this, I mean that regardless of where you are, whether you're here, whether you're a foreign field, uh, our life, what we're doing with our life is what matters. It's not about whether we're on the foreign field. It, like I said, it's really easy to think um, we're here and the missionaries are there. I believe that we're supposed to be missionaries wherever we are because the definition of a missionary, one definition is someone who is on a mission. And we have a mission that God has given us to, to bring others to Christ and to shine our light wherever we are, whether we're local or foreign. Uh, last summer when we were in Utah uh, in the airport getting ready to come back, uh, Salt Lake City, there was this big group of people. They were waiting by the uh, security exit or the exit there. Uh, I don't know, 40, 50 people, extended family, mother, father, grandparents, uncles and aunts, and all the, like the whole extended family. And uh, they were waiting for their, there were two, two Mormons that were coming back, two men coming back from their mission. And they believe that you have to do your mission in order to get to heaven and become a god and goddess and so on and so forth. And this is part of the steps you have to take in the Mormon circles. And, uh, that's a big deal. You go. And they were foreign. I don't know exactly where they were, but they had signs and said all, all kinds of things like "Welcome back, so and so." I don't remember the names, and uh, I was really hoping we get to see this. And sure enough, right before we went through security, uh, these two young men came walking out, and uh, the family—they went wild. They were just crazy, yelling, whooping, and hollering, playing music, and and because now these guys are are have it all together. They're missionaries. They're returned missionaries. They have it all together. And uh, they've done their mission. That's what they say. They've done their mission. Sadly, uh, in the Mormon circles, the suicide rates and depression rates are the highest right after they come back from the mission. Right after they return, and they're, they're no longer, they've done their thing, and now what? They try to get into normal life, and suicide rates go up, depression rates go up. Uh, it's, it's very sad that... Um, but that's kind of how we view it sometimes, that we, we have it and then we, we've done it and now we did it. When we came home from Kenya, I remember thinking that, oh, everybody's going to be excited to see us. Huh? The dog was. Yeah, it's probably the most excited I saw when we got back. But... And this, I think, happens to everybody who goes, who goes for him. We think everybody misses us. But I remember specifically, I don't remember who it was, but there were, there were some comments, like things like, Oh, you're back. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you hear about it? You're supposed to hear about these things. Or people would be like, How was it? How was it is a very challenging question to answer. Anybody who's been somewhere and comes back and say, How was it? It's very difficult to answer that question. But I, I remember thinking, and that year after we came back was honestly one of the hardest years of my life. I was 18, trying to get back in the youth group, trying to figure out where we were. We were returned missionaries, the status that goes with that, and uh, trying to fit into here. And it's not anybody else's fault. I'm not, I don't, I don't remember people, what people said. Um, but it was a very difficult time of my life, specifically uh, trying to fit in depression and things like that. But 
why is that? I don't, why can't we have our mission be here and be there? I know they're very different. There's a lot of different things involved, but God has called us to shine our light wherever we are, and, and we need to, to be missionaries wherever we are. There's no, instead of, uh, you're going to be a missionary, you should be a missionary from the day you're born. So what are some things that, that we can do locally if we, if we do missions locally? What are some things that we can do locally that uh, good mission work? Say it again. Have people over for dinner. Have people over for dinner, absolutely. What else? Interact with your neighbors. Interact with your neighbors. We had neighbors in Australia and we didn't even know their names. I was like, well, I'm sure we're going to get to know them. But what else? What about raising families? I mean, that's, that's where I am right now. It takes a lot of energy, but there's the responsibility to, to raise children is, is hitting me harder and harder every day, the, the responsibility that goes with, with raising children. That's a, that's a very big mission. Reaching out to your neighbors, having people over for dinner, absolutely. Building the church. Church work is a mission. Uh, so often we think there's two myths that we think the Great Commission only applies to those whom God has called. We think God is, you have to be called to be a missionary. It's a very uh, false. And the other one is the call is only for those who are specially gifted. They have to be gifted to be called. And I really appreciated what Nate shared about, I think Monday night, about the uh, spiritual gifts. What about uh, sharing some of our folks that we have read, but we're not planning to do anything with them, and sometimes they'll be sold a whole box full for a quarter. Uh, what about sending, just giving some good books to the neighbor? How would you how would you get them to read it? Get them to write a report. What'd you say? How would you get them to read them? Well, it may be with laying around, somebody mm-hmm. will read it. Mm-hmm. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> Simple things. Sometimes there's a certain book that simply got somebody started reading. They found a, mm-hmm. a, a new world with reading. Absolutely. Simple ways, don't overthink it. Why don't we need them in our lives? Like, like I think Nate mentioned earlier, we have it. We we have everything we need, right? We, uh, our neighbor that lives next door is. Um, Sometimes he doesn't mind talking, but he's one of those that if you start talking, then then it, you'll be there playing on the half hour, an hour uh, before you do anything else. But uh, loves to chat a lot, of, and we've had questions, we've had good discussion. Um, notices everything, notices everything about us. When we first got there, when we first moved in, he noticed. Uh, he asked me when we're expecting. I think Sarah, Sarah was had been there once or twice, and instantly called on and. Um, other things like he sees everything he and we know he's watching us and it's kind of nice because we know that our house is going to be safe um 
we think anyway. But uh, like he sees anybody else that comes in the neighborhood, whether we have visitors. Sometimes we get asked about our visitors later, and just like. So regardless of whether or not we're in a foreign field or a local field, uh, we have a mission to show the kingdom of heaven to everyone around us and to show the love of Jesus to everyone around us. Sometimes there's some special needs child that we hear of that's born in the community, and those people really appreciate a visit. Just be remembered. Mm-hmm. Sympathize with them. Or some family member passed away, and, and we tend to go at the time It's often those big circumstances that, that bring us together, sadly, but uh, let's not wait until those, those big events happen that draw us together. But. We had our neighbors here for the Christmas program, and they said, you never heard singing like that. We just enjoy being here. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of gifted people in our own community, and we like that. We have everything we need within ourselves, but... That also means we have things that maybe others, some other people need. Not that we go around um, with pride doing it, but uh, to help people when they do need help. But also, I think we need our neighbors as well and need our people around us. So my challenge to you is uh, be a missionary wherever you are. Let's stand. Uh, we'll stand and uh, for prayer. May you be dismissed. Thank you, Lord, so much for uh, blessing us, for your love and your protection, and for bringing us here this evening. Thank you, Father, for community, for our church, for uh, Winter Bible School, and uh, for everybody here. Uh, Lord, I pray you just give us strength to to shine your light and give us courage to show your love to others around us and uh, to remember the gifts that you've given us and uh, to shine and uh, to be bold for you. Thank you for um, missions and uh, for living a life uh, that we can follow, and I pray that you just give us the strength to do our best. Bless each one, bless our fellowship, and uh, we can all have a great week honoring and glorifying and serving you. In Jesus' name, amen.